are officially back. That's right. Even though most stadiums didn't let anyone in, except for the cardboard fans and the crowd noise generated by speakers, the NFL is back. We are done with one week of COVID NFL action, and we are officially back, my friends. I don't know about you, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being able to sit there on in my chair and be able to watch. Now, I'm a, I'm a cord cutter. I, I don't really feel like, uh, you know, forking over 80 bucks a month for cable or, uh, you know, I can't afford $140,000 for NFL game day ticket or whatever it is now. Wish I could. Uh, so I'm watching through like Yahoo on my phone and iPad and I was watching on NBC's app on my Roku Thursday and then Sunday all of a sudden I had a 40 minute preview. But uh, either way, I enjoyed NFL action again. Uh, or were you excited as I was? You enjoyed that. You're damned right. So I am your host, Dr. Headley. Brand new year for the podcast. Same old host. Going to take a look back at the week that was the week ahead preview. Going to start things off with the injuries and the news. Going to start with some injuries. Don't have a lot of news, but start with some injuries that are long-term. Some guys on injured reserve already one week in. Now, injured reserve this year is a little different. Uh, it could be as short as three weeks. That is the minimum this year, only three weeks. But Le'Veon Bell is the biggest name right now. Le'Veon Bell with a hamstring injury. And uh, <laughs> his coach, Adam, the human butthole case, who's not a very good coach and uh, has kind of admitted to it because he admits he should not have kept him in as long as he did. And uh, honestly, he likes Frank Gore more, who is so old that he uses his AARP card to get into the stadium. He's going to get a lot of time now. So, uh, Bell on IR with a hamstring injury. Joining him on IR, Leighton Vander Esch, uh, fractured collarbone out six to eight weeks. Marlon Mack tore his Achilles, so he's out for the year. Blake Jarwin tore his ACL, out for the year as well. Non-contact, uh, looked very painful as they all do. Uh, David Njoku on IR for a few weeks as well with the knee. That's enough sad music. 
Uh, Devontae Parker, Richie James, both out with hamstring injuries, uh, but they're they're week to week. They're not IR. Uh, George Kittle has a knee sprain. Uh, he's expected to be out for at least a couple weeks. Tremaine Edmonds out with a shoulder injury. Well, not out, but dealing with one. Justin Jackson has a quad injury and perhaps the biggest impact right now, because Le'Veon's a big name, but let's be honest, he's not really the same Le'Veon he was a couple years ago. Uh, Michael Thomas, uh, high ankle sprain. He was uh, initially saying he was going to try to play through it, but it's a high ankle sprain. You don't play through a high ankle sprain. He's expected to be out several weeks at this point. So that is our injury roundup for this week. Uh, If you have any of those guys on your squad, make your adjustments accordingly. So let's uh, look back at the week that was in our film room review. Gonna start in the Haterade division. Gonna look at the Ninja Panthers. <laughs> Taking on the Night Shift. Now, this was a true blowout. Uh, This game ended with the Night Shift taking the Ninja Panthers to the woodshed to a final score of 201.64 to 114 to the sound of an 86.64 point margin of victory for the Night Shift, earning them this week's whoop-ass victory of the week. Now for the night shift, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, nice debut. Very nice for the rookie. Josh Jacobs broke out for uh, Las Vegas. Josh Allen set a career high with 312 passing yards in Buffalo. And Chase Young uh, made a strong case for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Very nice first game for him uh, for the Washington football team, by the way. Check out the NFC East standings. It's kind of funny. The Eagles, the Giants, and uh, (laughs) the Cowboys. (laughs) They're all 0-1. The only 1-0 team is listed as football team. Uh, From the Ninja Panthers, it's a complete turnaround for them from last year's start. Uh, Not one single player hit the points that they were expected to. Todd Gurley was the lone highlight on their offense, but he was limited with the Falcons playing from behind the entire game. Nick Bosa looks to be a worthy anchor for their defense, though. Uh, He really does. Let's move on to the Awful Waffles. Awful Waffle! Awful Waffle! Taking on Grizzles Gladiators. Awful Waffles came out on top, 166.74 to 129.72, a 37.02 point victory, margin of victory, for Awful Waffles. For Awful Waffles, wide receiver was remarkably quiet this week, and Michael Thomas was scarily... Uh, quiet with only five targets and that late injury. Thankfully, Awful Waffles can ride the three-headed running back monster of Alvin Kamara, Zeke, and Christian McCaffrey, and they're almost 75 points combined to victory. 
defense, very serious concern, especially after Vander Esch was placed on injured reserve. Now, for Grizzles Gladiators, marginally better than Awful Waffles uh, at wide receiver, but running back, not a lot compared to Awful Waffles. Defense and Leonard Fournette? I have a question mark there because I wrote this before he actually took the field. Oops. <laughs> Uh, but the defense really kept them in this game, and the bench did not give a lot of hope for the future in this week. Uh, that final score really tells the tale. Sorry, Grizzles. Uh, hopefully next week's better for ya. Well, let's move over to the Crazy Horse, where Cobra Kai... <laughs> ...took on Jim Kelly Hates Cancer. Touchdown! Now, Jim Kelly Hates Cancer took out Cobra Kai pretty handily. 203.15 to 170.59, a 32.56 point margin of victory. For Cobra Kai, they had the lead through the early games Sunday, but this squad was full of disappointments in the end. Only five starters hit or outperformed their projections, and the only real studs were Dalvin Cook and DK Metcalf. But the rookie wide receiver duo of Ruggs and Lamb didn't look too bad, and they are a real bright spot. Now, for Jim Kelly Hates Cancer, DeAndre Hopkins, welcome to the desert. 14 receptions for 151 yards, 300-plus receiving yards from the wide receiving position. And no touchdowns. <laughs> Defense was solid in week one. Uh, aside from a couple of duds, even the guys who didn't hit their projections still hit double digits. Uh, what might be the scariest is that there were even more scary weapons, uh, scarily good, on the bench to plug in for those couple of duds that actually played. Well, let's move on. Staying in the conference to Cower Power. <laughs> Taking on Roster Guard 99. Boom shakalaka! Hey, this, this was the tightest game. I was watching this game closely up until the end. Uh, 188.88 to 188.16. This was a, point, a zero. 72-point margin of victory for Cower Power. The closest game this week. Less than a point separated them. Uh, you know, one one play separated them. I feel I, I, I feel for you, Roster Guard. I had a game like this last season. For Cower Power, this game came down to the wire. They were lagging the entire matchup right until the Monday Night Football doubleheader. I'm serious. You look at the graph in the game summary in Yahoo!, it's right there. They're lagging the entire game, uh, the entire matchup. Uh, Adam Thielen looked great without digs across the field to distract defenses, at least in garbage time. Owning stock in five players in Pittsburgh wound up not totally hurting Cower Power, as Juju looked fantastic in Big Ben's return. But Ebron only had two targets. Connor left early with uh, an ankle injury. And aside from a couple of splash plays, Watt and Hayward were largely invisible. Not totally horrible, but not necessarily spectacular. For Roster Guard 99, the reigning Pierce winner had a much stronger start than last season, but though this was a heartbreaking loss, there is some to build on. 
Devontae Adams provided more points than any other offensive player in Green Bay's route of Minnesota and looks to be the cornerstone of their offense with Mark Andrews as their number two stud. Melvin Gordon looked solid uh, for Denver. A couple of changes with bench players, and this would have been a very different finish. So you've got the ammo this year. Uh, I don't think you'll finish like you did last year uh, based on who you got early in the season. Let's check out Gridiron Mafia. And what happened between you and Six Flags over Jesus? You're still outcasts in my soundboard. Sorry. Uh, 196.10 to 154.53. This is a 41.57 margin of victory for Six Flags over Jesus. Gridiron Mafia, when your tight end, who is second-year player Tyler, or Taylor Hawkinson, is your highest-scoring offensive player of the week outside a quarterback, it's not going to be a good week for you. Uh, yeah, he even outscored Kenyon Drake who had a touchdown in 60 rushing yards. OBJ drew 25% of uh, Cleveland's targets in Baltimore and only went 3 for 10 for 22 yards. There's not a lot of help to be found on the bench either. There were four players on the bench with goose eggs. There's not really anything else to say. The fact that you put up over 150 points is a miracle. For Six Flags Over Jesus, Raheem Mostert surged out of the flex position for running backs, which is good considering both Joe Mixon and Austin Eckler were used sparingly in the past game compared to their past performance at the position looking at all of last year. They also had some defensive studs on the squad hiding on the bench this week that could have made this a real massacre. <laughs> Let's move over to the Haterade for the last matchup in week one. Hater Tech. <laughs> Take it on Lance Manlo. Now this was the game of the week. Less than two points difference. Less than two points separated these teams leading into Monday night football. And it finished with a score of 190.54 to 182.60. That's a 7.94 margin of victory for Hater Tech. Now for Hater Tech, this matchup earns them Game of the Week moniker because it's tight throughout the whole matchup from early Sunday on. Russell Wilson went ham, 31 of 35 for 300 plus yards and four touchdowns. I'm a little worried about running back. David Johnson shown in his Houston debut, but Carrion looks to be the odd man out in Detroit all of a sudden, losing touches to Adrian Peterson and DeAndre Swift. And DeAndre dropped the winning touchdown. And the only running back in the wings is Philip Lindsay in a timeshare in Denver. And now he has an injury. I believe it may be turf toe. For Lance Manlove, Calvin Ridley may have overtaken Julio for top dog in Atlanta, at least for uh, fantasy purposes. But Le'Veon Bell, yeah. I already said he's on injured reserve. Left early, or well, he didn't necessarily leave early, but he was already having a poor showing. Jonathan Taylor looked good in his debut, and he's going to get a lot more time in the field now with Marlon Mack's torn Achilles. Frank Reich already came out and said he is the starter. Let's hand out some uh, 
week one hardware before we look forward. This is the Offensive Player of the Week and the Defensive Player of the Week. Let's start with the Offensive Player of the Week. Now, I try to not give these to quarterbacks just because quarterbacks, by their very nature of the position, wind up with massive, massive... Uh, totals, typically. And and they really were, this week, uh, I had to go like nine or ten players down the list before I hit a non-quarterback. The Haterade Offensive Player of the Week goes to Josh Jacobs, running back for night shift. 25 attempts, 93 yards, three touchdowns, and another 46 receiving yards through the air on four catches. The Crazy Horse Offensive Player of the Week goes to Devontae Adams, wide receiver for Roster Guard 99. Uh, I think I already mentioned his stat line. 17 targets, 14 receptions, 156 yards, and two touchdowns. Defensive Player of the Week for Crazy Horse, Buda Baker. Safety for Cower Power. 10 tackle solos, 15. Or five, not 15. (laughs) That's a slash in my notes. Five assists tackles, or tackle assists. And the Haterade Defensive Player of the Week, Jonathan Abram. Safety for Grizzles Gladiators. Nine solo tackles and four tackle assists. Fun factoid for the week. The top five quarterbacks this week were all in the Haterade division, and four of them actually played. Two of them were on the same team. One of them was on the bench. And the top six defensive performers this week either sat on the bench or were found on the waiver wire. So those are the really good guys. Now, I uh, I also have... Um, I want to uh, look also at uh, some rookies. Uh, a few rookies that... Uh, well, rookies who were uh, impressive. I got an email this afternoon. Uh, when I was preparing, uh, I was glad I didn't record last night like I planned to because uh, our league statistician, uh, Scott Sweatman, was on the ball. I was going to ask him if he wanted to be involved this year. And he blessed me with some fabulous stats. And uh, I've got a couple of rookies I want to point out. Some offensive rookies that are worth note. Uh, of course, Joe Burrow, starting quarterback for the Bengals. We all expected it. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I uh, already mentioned him. Nearly 20 points in his debut. J.K. Dobbins uh, looks to be even better than Mark Ingram, or at least uh, in his efforts. LaVisca Chenal Jr. on the Awful Awful Squadron, a wide receiver, pretty decent. Joshua Kelly, running back on the Awful Awful, did pretty decent at 12 points. And of course, Jonathan Taylor, someone to keep your eyes on, running back for Lance Manlove. Now on the defensive side of the ball, our top three, uh, Patrick Queen, Linebacker for Cobra Kai, almost 19 points. C.J. Henderson is a free agent as of the stats compilation. Defensive back, 17 points in week one. And the aforementioned Chase Young, defensive linebacker for night shift, just shy of 17 points. So those are some of the really studly players this week. Let's move on to some Poopers of the Week.
Now, I do not consider injured players poopers. Pooping is when a player fails miserably to meet their projected expectations. Poopers had to start for their NFL. NFFL team. We're going to rattle these off. Mark Ingram running back for Baltimore. 10 attempts, 29 yards. Michael Thomas. Yes, I know he's injured, but he sucked before he got injured late in the fourth quarter. Wide receiver for New Orleans. Three completions. Three catches on five attempts for 17 yards. Rob Gronkowski, tight end for Tampa Bay. Two catches on three targets for 11 whole yards. Nick Chubb, running back out of Cleveland. 10 attempts for 60 yards and a fumble. Nicole Hardman, wide receiver for Kansas City. One target, one reception, 16 yards and only 20 return yards. Chris Thompson, running back out of Jacksonville. Two catches for Sorry, two targets, two catches, six yards in mop-up duty. Odell Beckham Jr., wide receiver out of Cleveland. Three catches, ten targets, 22 yards. And on Johnson, running back out of Detroit. Seven attempts for 14 total yards. Not good enough, damn it, not good enough. Now, new segment this year. I'm going to call it the award for our famous Homer Simpson. These are the top five players who were phenomenal on the bench. Only losing teams are eligible. These are teams, these are players who uh, put up a lot of points but did not start. Let's start at the bottom of the bench. Robbie Anderson for roster guard, 99 wide receiver, was projected at 9.64, put up 22.5 points. That is 12.86 points more than he was supposed to. Naeem Hines, uh, granted this is because of injury, but still Ninja Panthers running back. Was projected at just 6.23, wound up putting up 24.10. That is 17.87 more points than he was supposed to. Darius Slayton for Lance Manlove. He's a wide receiver. 25.20 points. He was only supposed to put up 10.09. That's 15.11 points, my friend. Aaron Rodgers for Grizzles Gladiators, of course a quarterback, only projected at 26.82. Well, we all know he went off and told the organization, you guys suck for drafting a quarterback in the first round. That's 20.66 more points than he was supposed to. And our top Doe Award of the Week goes to Marcus May of Ninja Panthers. He's a safety, and I noticed he's already in their lineup for next week. Only projected 6.6 points. Put up 28.20. That is 26, or sorry, 21.6 points more than he was supposed to. Before we move on to the pick six uh, for next week, I just want to take a peek at some of these uh, defenses and offensive ranks. Our top two defenses are separated by just 1.6 points. Jim Kelly eats cancer and six flies over Jesus. Our next two top are 63.4 and 62. That's Hater Tech and Cower Power. All of our defenses kind of fall in little bunches. And then uh, we get down to Grizzles Gladiators, you know, they're 50, Lance Man's level 49, and then you have a, a real cliff you fall off of down to Ninja Panthers at 34.8 and Awful Waffles at 33. Ninja Panthers and Awful Waffles could be in uh, real danger this year if they 
don't get their act together on defense. And Ninja Panthers, this was a real problem this year that I remember, or last year that I remember, uh, on defense. Starting Marcus May could be a, a, a real boon uh, to you. And keep a watch on that waiver wire. Maybe work some trades. You weren't very active in the trade market last year, uh, so maybe that could work this year. Offensive rankings this year. I mean, no surprise based on total point output. But uh, Gridiron Mafia, Ninja Panthers, and Grizzlies Gladiators really low in week one, uh, whereas uh, Awful Waffles continuing uh, last year's dominance, they were second most. Night Shift uh, nearly 150 uh, in week one. And Lance Manlove, 133, followed by Jim Kelly's Cancer, 131. Let's move on to our pick six, looking ahead at week two. Kick things off, starting with awful waffles. Awful waffle. Awful waffle. The number six team at one and zero taking on the number twelve team at zero and one. Ninja Panthers. For awful waffles, this matchup looks scarily easy. Uh, but I'm particularly interested in their running back. Christian McCaffrey would probably have the most success through the air this week because New Orleans really battles a run, and let's face it, it's a divisional matchup. Zeke gets the very soft Atlanta rush defense, and Kamara's matchup with Las Vegas is the same one that gave McCaffrey over 100 total yards last week and two touchdowns. For Ninja Panthers, this does not look to be a good week. Uh, Hines looks to have a nice week, but virtually everyone else in the field for Ninja Panthers has tough sledding. Uh, I might consider moving Willie Sneed to a starting position along with Golden Tate if his hamstring is healthy enough to play based on Daniel Jones' chucking of the football Monday night in prayer. Lots and lots of prayer. Uh, the projected outcome is that Awful Waffles will win by 30-plus points. I'm going to go ahead and pick Awful Waffles to put Ninja Panthers into early Pierce contention. Our second matchup is the number nine team, Cobra Kai. At 0-1, going to take on the number five team, Cower Power. One and oh. Now, Cower Power is projected to win by just over 25 points. They have the Buffalo running back double stack, and that could work out for Cower Power if Buffalo follows New England's lead from last week and they keep a tight rein on Josh Allen running the football. But it's still risky to play both Singletary and his backup. Eric Abron gets praise from his coaches. They want to play him all over the place like a secret weapon. But it didn't translate to on-field production week one. But if Juju's hindered by his knee and Deontay by his toe, Ebron could be sneaky good. Now for Cooper Kai, after gaining six yards on 15 carries last week, uh, Saquad Barkley gets a little easier matchup against Bears this week. But it's no cakewalk. The passing work will help out, but don't expect a blowout performance. Nick Chubb also gets a chance to atone for his poor showing of only 11 whole touches, outtouched by Kareem last week in the opener. This uh, in the opener last week, he gets a chance to make up this Thursday, and he should do well against the Bengals. Don't be surprised if C.D. Lamb winds up as the wide receiver stud this week for you guys. 
I am picking Cobra Kai in a surprise upset. Matchup number three is number two, Night Shift. At 1-0, taking on Lance Manlove, the number eight squad. Ranked at, or uh, playing with an 0-1 record. The projected outcome is Lance Manlove out in front by about 16. For night shift, the offensive weapons look good this week. Uh, Josh Allen at quarterback should be able to throw and run against Miami like uh, New England did last week with Cam. Meanwhile, Cooper Cup, Hollywood Brown, and Clive Edward Hilaire get soft defenses to play with. The only real worries are Josh Jacobs against a much tougher New Orleans defense than he got last week with Carolina, and Jarvis Landry nursing a sore hip on a short week. For Lance Manlove, three players to watch. Number one, Calvin Ridley will likely explode as he's going indoors against the Dallas defense, who is friendly to the number two wide receiver. Chris Godwin got shaken up and maybe, uh, not maybe, uh, it was reported today, he's in the concussion protocol. Tom Brady likes him, but he did look to spread the ball around last week, and that might be irrelevant because being put in the concussion protocol on a Wednesday, he very, very possibly might not be out by Sunday. And Jonathan Taylor uh, gets a starting nod for Indianapolis against Minnesota. And though the starter, he will split reps with Nine Hines, and Hines was favored heavily on passing downs this uh, last week. I will pick Lance Manlove in a close one, uh, but watch that Chris Godwin. That could swing my pick, but officially right now I'm picking Lance. Our next matchup is number 10, Gridiron Mafia. At 0-1, taking on number 7, Rosterguard 99. Also at 0-1, this is the only matchup this week featuring two winless teams. Now for Gridiron Mafia, Breeze loses out on Michael Thomas, but he still has a a large stable of talent. Uh, He's still going to have a lot of throws that are probably going to go to Alvin Kamara and uh, Jared Cook. And of course, they've got um, Emmanuel Sanders. I'm curious to see if Hawkinson will continue his performance from last week. He did the same thing to start last year, but last year he also didn't have Kenny Galladay on the field the first game. Now, Galladay has a chance to start this week, so keep an eye on that. If he starts, uh, he is the de facto number, not de facto, he is the number one target. Terry McLaurin was a disappointment for Washington last week, but he should see more targets this week against the friendly Arizona pass defense. And they're probably going to be playing catch-up. For roster guard 99, I'm watching the wide receiver. Devontae Adams gets very friendly wide receiver defense, but he's also likely to get Darius Slay, so that may keep him bottled up a little bit. Allen Robinson has made no bones this week that he's not happy in Chicago, despite coming out publicly to say that he's never asked for a trade. And yeah, it doesn't explain why you took all of the Chicago references off your social profiles all of a sudden. Juju Smith-Schuster had a big day versus the New York Giants pass defense. He didn't have Trubisky throwing to him. Brandon Cooks has a tough matchup uh, against the Baltimore defense, and he was barely targeted last week. The projected outcome is that Gridiron Mafia will win by just over two touchdowns. I'm going to go with roster guard 99 to upset. 
Our penultimate matchup is number 11, Grizzles Gladiators. And one taking on number four, Hater Tech. Ah! At one and oh, projected outcome is Hater Tech by four whole points. Now for Chris's Gladiators, I'm worried about Nikhil Harry. Uh, if week one is any indication of how the Patriots, 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 plan to run their offense this season, with Seattle being more vulnerable to the pass than the run, uh, you know, the way. Belichick likes to run his offense. They kind of tailors to the team they're playing against. Uh, this will be a real test if he's still playing that way. Mike Evans was barely involved last week in a passing game match, a very friendly passing game matchup. This week against Carolina, the game plan would logically lean more towards the run since that defense is so young and so soft against it. Derrick Henry should have a huge week with Jacksonville being soft against the run, and Henry traditionally has huge games against them. For Hater Tech, some key players to watch this week are David Johnson. He probably gets the backfield to himself with Duke Johnson nursing an injury, but Baltimore is going to make him work for his yards, and most of them will likely come through the air in catch-up mode. Catch-up mode sounds fun and delicious for french fries. Carrion Johnson is fading fast this season. We already talked about it, and it's not due to injury. He's running behind an old veteran and a rookie and might not be worth the start. T.Y. Hilton looked largely over his summer soft tissue issues in the season debut and tied for the top amount of targets for the team. But he also had two key drops uh, in the end that would have won it for the team. He gets Minnesota, who has, after one week, the softest wide receiver defense, so it could be the cure-all he needs. This one's going to be tight, but I have to go to with Hater Tech by a touchdown. And in our final matchup of the week, our number one team after one week, Jim Kelly Hates Cancer. Touchdown! Takes on our number three team, Six Flags Over Jesus. Both teams at 1-0, the only matchup to feature two unbeaten teams this week. Projected outcome is Six Flags Over Jesus by two field goals. Jim Kelly hates cancer. The strength in the squad this week is going to be through the air. Hopkins, Jones, and Fuller all have plus matchups and should post big numbers. Darren Waller didn't have a huge week last week, but the Saints give up the points to the tight end. The weak link is going to be the running game. Chris Thompson was barely an afterthought last week, if you can even call him that, and only appears to be a negative game script play. Carson versus New England is a tough go, and I only have real faith in this running back uh, field, backfield in Aaron Jones. For Six Legs Over Jesus, the questions at running back are the same story here. Eckler and Mixon had poor showings in week one, and they have matchups that are not as favorable as Yahoo might think. Mixon is on a short week in a divisional matchup that will likely require Burrow to throw a lot, and he's barely looked Mixon's way to throw last week. Eckler also gets a divisional matchup, though is an easier defense to run against, but the same passing deficiency issue. And game plan expectations. They're going to be playing from behind. I expect Raheem Mostert to carry this backfield again this week, but I am picking Jim Kelly Hates Cancer to upset. So there you have it. My picks to win this week. Awful Waffles, Cobra Kai, Lance Manlove, Gridiron Mafia, Hater Tech, and Six Flags Over Jesus. Lock them in. 
Overall, I did pretty well last year. Not perfect, but about 60 to 70%. I, no, no, I think at least 70%, maybe better. So, a uh, special thought to Scotty for uh, hitting me up with those stats this year. Thursday night football this week is Bengals at Browns. So, if you've got a Bengal or a Brown in your squad, don't forget to start them. And buy NFFL swag, get your team logo, get the NFFL shield on, shirts, mugs, and stuff. If you're interested in any of that, remember we have them on Redbubble, bit.ly slash Nellis NFFL, no capitals. That's it for this week. I will see you next week. Or at least you'll hear me. See you on the gridiron. NFL podcast was not recorded in front of a live studio audience, but I can neither confirm nor deny whether it was recorded in my underwear or in the nude. The NFFL podcast is a production of Head for Studios. Head for Studios. Tell your story.